evening, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Raising Bulls brought to you by the beautiful game network, Golden Gold Press, and Roughneck Scars. We are the only podcast dedicated to the New York Red Bulls 2 of the USL Championship. Tonight, we're going to be recapping a uh, nervy win over Louisville City, but uh, ultimately a win. It was a good days. Uh, we've got Rashid Nuhu, first year uh, goalkeeper out of uh, Fordham University, uh, joining the show tonight. We're going to be talking to Liz Brokaw of the Mongols podcast. She covers uh, Pittsburgh Riverhounds. She's going to help us preview the match there. And uh, some USL news and notes and maybe even some Gold Cup news and notes. Joining me tonight, as sometimes, <laughs> it's, it's <laughs> Joe Steen. Hello, Joe. How are you? Good. Uh, pr- a good, some sweet revenge over the weekend against Louisville. Um, a, a nervy game, as you mentioned, but uh, they got it came away with three points i should also mention we didn't get to recap uh the atlanta united two match a couple weeks ago last week was crazy between the open cup and some other things that were going on so we did not have a show uh but uh needless to say an impressive win there uh, bolstered by a lot of academy kids reese buckmaster playing center back what (laughs) Uh, i really did not expect them to win that game they did win uh i said as much on twitter and uh, I I believe it was Evan Loro's mom uh, basically told me to like, yeah, take that. The kids are amazing. <laughs> and I fully agree. The kids are amazing. So thank you very much. <laughs> um, but let's talk about this Louisville City game. I, I got to say, watching it, I kept getting that feeling that this is going to be a match where they were going to lose because of how sloppy they were in front of net. I thought Louisville had... Uh, all the opportunity in the world to to sneak a goal in there or to steal all three points. Maybe they were a little bit tired coming off of the midweek Open Cup match. Um, but, you know, the game stayed in the balance. There was a lot of end-to-end action. Ultimately, it was a defensive breakdown that led to uh, the goal. Ben Mines helped break up uh, a play around midfield that sent uh, Matthias Jorgensen on the run. He finished a beautiful shot uh, with pressure starting to close him down. And it, it was just kind of a reminder that, you know, despite the fact that I don't think that he necessarily looked great throughout the match, that with a striker, really, it's just one moment that they need to, to take advantage of in any match to kind of, you know, turn the tide for them. Uh, I, I'm still kind of wondering what we're seeing from him on a regular basis. What's your take on on his development thus far? It's, I think it's hard for him because he, you know, he does drift into some spaces and it, and he does do a really good job. But I mean, he seems to drift in and out of the game too much. I mean, he didn't he didn't have much. I mean, he didn't have a lot of service in this game. He had a couple half chances where, you know, uh, the one uh, really good one where he, you know, he was off balance but he fired wide. But I mean, he just for me, I don't know if he he, he just seems to drift in and out of the game too much. I mean. Granted, he did take it, you know, the one chance he had, you know, he, he took it really well. But um, a lot of the chances he seemed to get are like they're they don't seem like they're normal chances. They're outliers. But I, I don't know. I, I, I I'm I'm inter- I mean, he's only 19. Granted, I mean, I'm willing to give you know him time on this because, I mean, Tom Barlow wasn't starting most of the season last year and came in this year and completely tore it up. So I think he's still trying to find, you know, his way a little bit. And, I, I, you know, I, I guess we'll see where it goes from there. Yeah, I will agree that Barlow wasn't playing last year much. But when he did came, come in, he usually made a pretty big impact. Like, I'm thinking specifically to that, 
you know, hat trick off the bench in Charleston, but he was also uh, kind of finding his way, I think, in a way that Jorgensen is not thus far. To me, what I'm I'm seeing from him, and I've brought this up numerous times on the show, is he plays like a guy who is more suited to playing with a partner up front. And it looks like when he works best with the Red Bulls is when there's, um, you know, more of sort of a strike force on the wings rather than just having, you know, pure out and out wingers, guys who are also scoring threats and can hold the ball up and that he can run off of. Uh, But it's clear to me that in terms of just seeing him as the guy at the head of a single striker system, he's going to struggle more than he's going to produce because he doesn't necessarily have uh, the frame to, to kind of, you know, mix it up and be a little bit more physical and he can get lost in sort of those scrum type moments, especially in the box, uh, despite the fact that he, he's pretty good in the air. And, uh, I think that he's tall enough that he can sort of make the impact. But again, like I think just, he's a little bit undersized and maybe even unsure of himself in those kinds of opportunities. So hopefully, uh, with the way that things have gone so far, these are kind of things that you want to see uh, push players to refine their game. But so far, what we've gotten back uh, has been very inconsistent, especially now we know uh, what he's making uh, for the first team, which is north of 300K. I really want to see him start to uh, be a little bit more clinical when he has the chances that he's had. He's had a lot of shots off target, a lot of misses. And, you know, just knowing the way that this team plays, especially against teams that bunker and you're not going to get a lot of chances, you want to see him be a little bit more clinical in those situations. Very glad to see him get a goal in this match. Yeah, I thought, you know, the, the goal, he took the really goal well. I thought Ben Mines made a, a really key play, you know, breaking up, uh, you know, getting the interception and passing it to him. And uh, Jurgensen had a chance to square it back to him, but, you know, he, he felt confident enough to take it. And, you know, I thought it was a really good shot. And, you know, I, he, he got the, you know, he, like like you said, all they need is one chance. And, you know, he, he got it and he put it away and that ended up being the deciding goal. He has a chance to get that back across, but he had to play a perfect pass, in my yeah. opinion, to really make that. Uh, the other guy who is really, I think, making a name for himself right now. I talked about him in preseason, and what I liked about him was his tenacity in the midfield, but he's now starting to settle down with the ball at his feet and showing a little bit of chops uh, passing and and moving the ball forward. Kyle Zayetz, I think, over the last three matches, you know, even without the goals, is looking, you know, pretty much better by the day. And I think really, you know, for me, he's the surprise of the first half of the season. I would agree with that. I think he completed something like 82% of his passes this game. Uh, his his distribution, like you mentioned, he settled down really well. His distribution has been great. I think him and Lima have really formed a, a solid partnership. Uh, they, they really didn't give any Louisville that many chances on the counter because whatever, whenever they tried to break, those two were there to break up the, the attacks. Uh, I think his confidence keeps growing, and I think we're starting to see him. You know, we, we've, we're starting to see him become the player that I think we we knew he was in preseason, and uh, I I want to I want to continue to see him. I want to see continue to see him play. What I think when I'm looking at you know the roster and thinking about who is going to be where, 
you know, they played Stroud as the uh, attacking midfielder a lot. Based on the way that Lima and Zayats are playing right now, you know, the guy that I'm looking at as as kind of, you know, the question mark is uh, Jean-Christophe Kofi and where he's going to fit into the mix because I, he's, uh, he's definitely not a six. Uh, he can play the eight spot. He's been billed in some places as a someone closer to the 10 spot. I don't necessarily see that, but that might be his bet. If they want him on the field, if that's something that I think is, um, you know, critical to the team, if they want to see him develop because they uh, went out and got his rights, I think that's where it's going to have to be. And, and Stroud is going to be out wide, but I'm not sure if I see him as a, uh, a playmaker type. I don't, I haven't seen it yet either. I mean, mate, you know, there's always a possibility they try him out there, but I think they really want to groom Jared into that position. And I don't know if uh, he'll be able to beat Jared out for that. Yeah. So that'll, that'll be interesting to see how they, they split minutes for Zayats, Lemma and uh, Kofi moving forward. Uh, Elney came off injured in this match. There's no update officially of how he's doing. Um, when we talked to Wolinek after the match, he said that, uh, you know, spirits with Kofi, or no, no, I said Kofi, with Elney uh, and, um, you know, the teammates that, that he was conversing with, they seemed high. And, you know, he was hopeful that that would then mean that there wasn't anything serious, but we still don't know yet. So something to keep an eye on. And I feel absolutely gutted for him because uh, he had just started to kind of, I think, catch his heat and started to look good. And, um, really I think come into his own on the team. So that was a little sad. And on the flip side of that, you get Bezicourt back uh, for his first game minutes. I was so happy to see him out on the field and not just out on the field, but starting and going for it was something like 70 minutes. That was fantastic. And uh, that is a, another critical piece for the first team. When you talk to guys about uh, central midfield depth. Yeah, I mean, it was like you mentioned, it was great to see him out there because, you know, it seems whenever he's gotten going with the first team, there's always been something that, like an injury that slowed him down. I didn't think he was necessarily uh, his normal self in this game, but I thought he played well enough to, you know, and uh, it was great to see him get out there for, you know, a half. I think he played about 70 minutes in this game. So, I mean, it, it, a good positive step in the right direction for him. He was a little unlucky, too, not to find the back of the net. He had a, a bunch of chances in this match. Yeah, one, one grazed the post. Yeah, yeah one, one grazed the post uh, off a deflection. I thought for sure that was going to be a goal. And uh, he had the other one across the, the keeper's body. Uh, other thing that I want to look at, Edgardo Rito and Reese Buckmaster uh, have really been phenomenal as the wingbacks this season. You could see how much better the team is when they're both out there. Um and knowing the way that the team is, or the MLS side, is struggling for depth at the wingback position, I want to get your take on if you think these guys should be up there. Personally, for me, I would take both Rito and Buckmaster up to the first team. I know that I don't think of them as starters up there. Uh, and obviously, Kyle Duncan is, is there on the right side. So maybe you don't take both of those guys, but... Uh, I mean, they, they've been so impressive. I really think they deserve uh, a bigger look at the MLS level. I definitely think one of them does. I thought Rito was great in this game on, on Sunday. I thought he, he was, you know, the way he got up and down the field was great. I think he, a lot of the attacks came from that, 
that right side and, you know, he was able to get into positions and, you know, get some dangerous balls in the box. I also thought he did a really good job on George Davis the fourth, who is, uh, you know, one of the top USL goal scorers ever, who's not, you know, the, the commentators mentioned he's not the fastest guy, but he's able, you know, he just gets himself in those spaces. And I thought Rito did a great job tracking him the whole game. He really didn't get any, two, you know, clear cut chances on goal. Uh, and, you know, talking about Reese Buckmaster, I mean, same thing. He, you know, they both do a great job of getting up and down the field. You know, they, they get into those, they get in the final third. They know what to do with the ball. They combine with their teammates well. They get good crosses into the box. I mean, it, it's it's difficult with you know playing with playing with Jurgensen because I think there's not enough guys in the box at times, and you know some of those crosses are wasted. But I think both of them, if not one of them, both of them, I agree with you, should get first team contracts and be up because that is something that the first team really likes is getting those wing backs up into attacking positions. Just don't let any first team fans hear that because. God forbid they sign anyone from the USL team, despite the fact that every time they do, they seem to make an impact with the first team. But just having them there is obviously a huge, horrible thing for them to deal with. And, you know, <laughs> not, not like not like the guy they signed this year scored the game winning goal against Atlanta. Or right, right. Exactly. You know, okay. forget it. Or the the other guy has been you know holding down the spot for the greatest goal scorer <laughs> in team history and doing a pretty good job. Uh, the other guy I want to talk about in this match uh, before we move on and, and talk about man of the match is Ben Mines. Ben Mines obviously heavily involved in the winning goal. We haven't seen a ton of him, but when he comes on, he's making an impact. I think back to the Ottawa match where you know he's only in for a couple of minutes, but he makes the pass that opens up the play that leads to the goal, and. You know, we we consistently see this. He had a an, another appearance earlier in the season where he, you know, looped in his crazy cross that ended up in the back of the net. I think it was a Jared Stroud goal, uh, if I'm not mistaken. But you know, we don't see a lot of him. We still see some of the problems that we've seen in terms of uh, him knowing or getting an idea of what he wants to do with the ball as he's streaking down the wing and and coming up with solutions to break down defenses. We still see teams. Uh, keying in on him physically and taking him out of matches by playing him that way. But I also think just in terms of his raw ability, we've seen him mature a little bit in terms of where he's moving, the passes that he's making uh, away from goal, I think just in terms of combining and creating attacks. But, you know, again, he's a young guy and I don't think we need to rush him, but I just want to know what you think of, of the progression that he's made so far. Yeah, I think he's. I think this year, uh, when he's been healthy, he's made positive impacts in the game. Obviously, Sunday being the big, you know, the big one where you know they needed a goal late, and he, and you know, uh, Louisville's down to ten men because uh, they they had a player off injured, and you know he presses right away, gets the turnover, makes a great pass to Jurgensen. But I, I've seen I've seen more positive things. It seems like he's starting to figure out, you know, what he wants to do with the ball in the final half. He's been combining with his teammates better, and you mentioned he's young, so I mean. There's no need to rush him. I mean, he had, you know, he got to go with the first team last year, and he had some success early on before coming back with the se- uh, with with the second team, and then you know a couple injuries, you know, re- you know, kind of wrecked the season. But I think he's coming along really well. I think that people had high expectations for him because of his impact with the first team last year, and you know what he did. And, you know, he was able to score a goal in his first match and everything. But 
Uh, I think, you know, to maybe temper them down a little bit. I mean, you got to realize he's still a young kid, and I think he's coming along. But I do think he's coming along really well, and I, I want to see him more in more of the starting lineup with the team going forward. Yeah, 100%. And the, the other thing that I want to see is I want to see him start to bulk up a little bit because until he he can match up a little bit better physically – He's just going to continue to get you know beaten into the ground by some of these bigger uh, defenders who who again they really seem to target him in a way that we've seen you know Connor Lade targeted in the past and Alex Wheel of guys thinking like well these are these are kind of smaller guys we can you know beat up on them and it works to take them out of the game sometime um, but I think Alex has done a good job kind of getting over that and. Um, I think, you know, if Ben Mines can can get to a point where he's able to deal with that a little bit better, he sh- he'll be very well off. Uh, all right, let's talk man of the match. That was a huge opening segment. <laughs> uh, yeah, I th- I'm very happy with the discussion that we just had. But uh, who's your man of the match? Uh, I'm going to give it to the guy who made team of, team of the week, uh, Evan Loro. I thought he did it. You know, he made some big saves when he was needed in this match. And uh, congrats on the second shot out of the season for him. Yes, I will also agree. Evan Loro uh, with an assist from the back line that just did such a great job against a team that has beaten them consistently uh, throughout the last couple of seasons. So it was really nice to see them get a win over them. Uh, Evan Loro, congrats. Man of the match. <laughs> And we're going to take a break now. When we come back, uh, I'll be speaking to Rashid Nuhu. So stick around. And we're back. We're joined now by another first year. We've almost got all of them complete now at this point. Uh, this one is a goalkeeper. It's Rashid Nuhu. How are you doing, Rashid? I'm good. How are you doing? I'm doing very well. Thank you so much for coming on. My pleasure. Uh, so a, a little bit of difficulty this year for you. You haven't been able to, to get into any game minutes yet, but how's how's the the whole experience been so far i know you spent a a little bit of time with the u23s uh but obviously this is a different kind of environment and challenge Mm -hmm. um well like you know as a goalie you just have to like wait for your time i guess so like all i've been doing just training hard every day showing up doing my best trying to improve show like the coaches and my teammates like like I can be like trustworthy to like play a game, stuff like that. So like all I've been doing is just grinding and like just hoping like I get opportunities like to show what I'm capable of in games. So I'm just waiting for my time right now. Yeah, that sounds a bit like what we see with uh, Ryan Mera year in and year out uh, because he's sitting behind Luis, who has been so steady. Have you uh, been talking to him at all? Has he offered any guidance of what that role is like? Oh yeah, I've been like I've been talked to Louis about it, and was like when he started playing professional in Germany, he never played for like three years. So like he always tells me like yeah like it's just a grind as a goalie like if you're not a first choice if you're not a second choice like being a third choice is kind of like like you just like have to work your way up. It's it's and you just have to keep improving every year like taking steps forward 
when the time comes, you'll be ready to like take your chance. It's definitely an interesting kind of juxtaposition with most of the other players because, you know, it it is that solitary position. You have one guy that that sort of blocks the way. So I could see that being an interesting challenge for sure. Let's uh, let's walk it back. Talk to us about your your earliest days playing soccer. Um, So I actually started playing soccer like when I was really young. I would say like around eight, just like playing on the streets with friends, just like kicking about, having fun. And well, like my brother was like my older brother is twenty eight now. Um, he was playing on the team, so I used to like follow him to like his train and just like watch his games and stuff like that. That's why I got like really hooked into like playing soccer and like I got really interested just through watching him. And I kind of followed his footsteps, but he joined um, the Right to Dream Academy. I don't know if you've heard about it in Ghana. Mm-hmm. And it's an academy that like gets players from Ghana and like bring them to like just like a residence academy. It's like you train there, go to school there, do everything there. And that's when I got the chance to like come to America to like continue playing and further my education. Right. So I first came to uh, America in 2011 and I went to Kent School, which is um, a high school in Connecticut, a boarding school. And after my four years there, I got a scholarship to Fordham and that's where I was before joining Red Bulls and uh, when, at what point did you jump into goal I feel like every goalkeeper I've ever talked to uh, played a different position at some point and then you know just based on need ended up popping in net yeah actually like when I was young I was more of like a center back mm-hmm. so, uh, <laughs> I know it's funny but like <laughs> That's where, like, I started flying, and one time, like, our goalie didn't show up. And, I, like, one of my friends was just like, yo, here, up and go, you're, like, the tallest guy here. <laughs> so I hopped in, and I liked it, and I just started playing and going out. So you got stuck there. Yeah, I don't know. I think mostly the, the goalies I've talked to were all started off as strikers. Every one of them, yeah. <laughs> or at least that's what they tell I me. I don't know. Back, yeah. <laughs> uh, so, uh, what was the Fordham experience like uh, for you? I, I obviously, again, you know the Mara connection that he, he was sort of starring there. But w- what was the experience like for you? Um, like, what do you mean for like Red Bulls or this? Oh no, for Fordham. Oh yeah. Oh, my experience at Fordham was great. I honestly. When I was going there, I didn't have like such like high expectations because of like the conference like we're in, and just like knowing like how like difficult it is to like get like players to come to Fordham. Mm-hmm. So when I was going there, like my main um, goal was just like try to win like a conference like championship or something like that. That was like my main goal. Then when I went there my first year. We lost in the semifinals, which was like unlucky for us. The second year we went in and won the championship. And then like, I was like, okay, like, 
that's the biggest goal I ever had and achieved it. <laughs> and the next year, we actually went to the Elite Eight of the NCAA, which was crazy. Yeah. And then I was done. That one was just like, like, was kind of like surprise, but like looking back, like all the guys were committed and like the hardware we put in was just like what the outcome came to be. Were you, were you able that's to, when, oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. That's when I realized like if you put your mind like into something and like work hard towards it, like you can achieve it. During that run in the tournament, did you was it was it surreal experiencing it, or were you guys you know able to um, to to really understand what was going on because it was a really special run? Yeah, and actually, it was yeah, it was surreal because Fordham has never like won an NCAA like game before, and then we won the first game, and even when we won the first game. The team we beat, I remember just like going back, like after celebrating, going back to like get my water bottle from the goal. And one of the players looked at me and goes, hey, good luck against you here because you need it. <laughs> and I was just like, okay, thank you. Like, <laughs> at that point, I didn't even know how to react. Right. Like, we just be you. Just like, okay. Like, and I was like, I was like, all right, thanks. Like, <laughs> like I knew one of the UBA players. We are Edward Opoku. We grew up together in Ghana. Like, we played in the same academy. Then we both came to um, the US actually the same year. So like he was like also like talking about it and like yeah like you guys have a good chance. Like, I guess us. I was like, I mean like we're not coming down to bow down to you guys. We're gonna work a lot, like work hard and see what happens. And we went there and beat them too. And I was just like, at that point, like, we didn't even know what else, like, to do. Like, we just, like, feel like something, like, just taking over us. <laughs> you went, after after that win, you didn't reach back out to the uh, the player on the first team uh, that you guys beat and say, thank you for your good luck wishes. It obviously helped. <laughs> nah, actually, I, 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 don't, I didn't even know him. Well, yeah. He telling me that, I was just like, okay. Like, <laughs> I'll never see you again. Did you feel like there was extra attention then on the program? Obviously, like any time that a team makes a run in tournament, there's going to be uh, more media presence the further you go along. But uh, did did the the players, especially the upperclassmen, start to kind of see uh, you know additional scouting? Oh yeah, like we started getting more attention. Like right after the first uh, win against San Francisco, Brooklyn, um, we just started like. Like, people started reaching out to us, like, just, like, have, like, um, like, news, like, writers, like, coming on campus, like, writing about us and, like, all that stuff was just going on. And even, like, other teams, like, in the NCAA were, like, talking about, like, who is this Fordham team, like, <laughs> beating everyone and just, like, going forward, like, what is, what is about them and stuff like that. And it was just crazy because, like, like we kind of like no friends like in other schools and like it seemed like Wake Forest was like worried about us and we like like we're not even in like competition to them like <laughs> yeah those kind of stuff like kind of give us like motivation to like go on like do our best I guess any team that comes in our way so it's like it was good that's excellent and 
at, at that point you would already, I guess, dabbled with the, the U23 program for the Red Bulls. Yeah. Um, yeah, I had my fun with the U23s, uh, last summer. And unfortunately I couldn't finish the whole season cause I had to get a surgery. So I, I, I left like, like early July to go like, like get the surgery and get ready for my season. And so, yeah, I didn't quit. How did that much time. Sorry. <laughs> How did you first end up on the, the Red Bulls radar? Just because you're a local college uh, uh, goalkeeper? Yeah. Um, so at first, I was like, I was getting like close to the summer. And um, my coach always like insists like players like playing the PDL and like just like staying in shape for like the season coming up. So um, I guess um, the Red Bulls... Um, I think Simon Nee contacted my coach and asked if like I was available for the summer because like they want me to be on the U23 team. And that's why like I mean if Red Bull comes like like a team like that and like, shows interest is like it's a good sign. It's not something to turn down. So I I was really grateful I got that opportunity and like started working like playing for them and was good. I liked it there and had a good experience with them, so it was good. Did you feel like uh, there was a possibility they were gonna draft you from that? Um well like just like playing the PDO, like just like training. I got a chance to train with the first team too, like when I was there for the summer. And like all the feedback I was getting from the coaches was like positive. So I just like I was like okay like I'll take all these like positive like comments and work hard and like even if it's not like going like playing for Red Bulls like maybe at a team like there's like there'll be like an opportunity somewhere so like that's why like I took all the like positive comments and like just like grew my game and gave me more confidence like play like the game that I love. Now, with this season, because you have obviously haven't been in uh, the games very often or or at all so far, you have sort of a unique perspective because you're on the inside, you kind of understand the inner workings, but you're, you're viewing it from, from the outside. So what kind of observations have you made, uh, uh, you know, throughout the team that's kind of contributed to the success so far uh, that maybe isn't necessarily obvious to everyone? I mean, like just being like second goalie on the um, Red Bulls too. It's like, it's not something that like. I I, I want to do for my like my my whole career there, because I want to like prove that I am also like good enough to play games. So like what I've been doing like my job right now is to show up to practice and work hard and let like the other players feel it and know that like, okay like he is not the first choice goalie, but he's coming out and working hard and. That pushes the other players to work hard too. It's kind of like if he's on the bench working hard and we have to work hard so we can get good results. So my job right now is to like come out, work hard, and push the other players to keep working hard. 
That's excellent. Before we let you go, uh, I'm going to subject you to the lightning round. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. <laughs> Popcorn, yes or no? Yes. Star Wars or Star Trek? Star Trek. Marvel or DC? Marvel. Super Mario or Sonic the Hedgehog? Super Mario. Who is your favorite team to play as in FIFA? Man City. Oh, I don't know if I can keep you on the show. I might have to... Oh, it's the best team. <laughs> I'm a Liverpool fan, so it's very difficult. Oh. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you ain't gonna win the league no more. Yeah, I don't think so. Uh, <laughs> and this last one, I call it the Derek Etienne Award. I'm going to give it to the player that wins this at the end of the season. Who is the worst dancer on the New York Red Bulls two? Worst dancer. Hmm. I think I'll give it to Janos Lubo. Ah, oh, throwing shade at a teammate. I like it. <laughs> that is great. I think that that might be his first vote. So we, we've got another challenger. This is perfect. <laughs> well, Rashid, thank you so much for coming on. We wish you nothing but the best of luck. Hopefully we get to see you in a match coming up soon. And uh, yeah, best of luck for this weekend. Thank you. And when we come back, we're going to preview the match against the Pittsburgh Riverhounds. So stick around. And we're back. We're going to finally preview this match against Bob Lilly's Pittsburgh Riverhounds. I'm super excited because of how much I love Bob Lilly, but I am double excited because we're joined tonight by Liz Brokaw of the Mongols podcast. Liz, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I am doing fantastic. I, I love when we get to play a Bob Lilly team. It is, I think... You know, regardless, you? I do. Regardless of where he goes, okay, okay. these matches are always so much fun. Uh, from a uh, a Red Bull perspective, and the way that they've struggled against Lily, uh, I think for the most part in the past. Let's let's hope. I hope that that continues because historically you haven't struggled against the River Hounds. That so that much is true. Maybe that'll be the nice the, the six to the mix. <laughs> uh, at at. at Pittsburgh, though, they haven't necessarily done that well. I think, what was the last one? It was 3-3, right? It was that crazy game at the start of the year? Or was that two years ago? That was two years uh, ago. Oh, yeah. All right. I, so they must have what? lost I'm last year. I'm not good year. at that stuff. I, they I'm lost three to nothing. You and Twitter to fix it when, it when I'm wrong. Oh, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. The Twitter police will absolutely take care of that. Uh, all right. Pittsburgh Riverhounds. They play at Highmark Stadium. They're 3-2-7 and seven on the year. That Bob Lilly uh, touch is in that... Um, that record with seven draws, they do not lose games uh, very often, but they don't necessarily win them all that often. Right now, they're one one and three in their last five, and one zero oh, and four at home, which is incredibly bizarre. In that span of five games, they've beaten Atlanta, which was just—I mean, five nothing doesn't do it justice to how lopsided that match was. They lost to Indy, and they drew against Charleston, Charlotte, and Ottawa. Goal scorers, they have spread the wealth. It's Kevin Kerr and Nico Brett leading the way with four. 
Robbie Mertz, Steven Dos Santos, my favorite name. Uh, he's got two, mm-hmm. uh, the two of them have two. Then Christian Valeski, Anthony Valverde, Joseph Greenspan, Canardo Forbes, Toby Adewale, and Thomas Vernkerzer all have one. <laughs> I, wow, I, you pronounce it so well. I'm so Thank impressed. you, thank you. I always hear uh, great things about my pronunciation. And then uh, serving up those goals, Ryan James is leading the way with four, uh, Canardo Forbes with three, Mertz, Jordan, Dover, Valeski, Greenspan, Kerr, and Dos Santos each have one. Uh, contrary to what we've seen in, in previous years, you know, Bob Lilly not necessarily, um, I think, winning at the rate that we're used to, but we're seeing his, his sort of patented touch in terms of the way that Again, like I said at the top, they are not necessarily losing games. Liz, from last year to this year, what are the changes that you've seen? I mean, we tied a lot last year, too. I think that maybe the change in in this season is really that the rest of the, the opponents, the rest of the field, are winning more games. So last year it was okay to tie a bunch of games, and it worked out, and... We ended up, um, you know, second at the end of the season. And this year, it just feels like such a much slower start. We we weren't used to all of the ties, you know, for our first year of a Bob Lilly season. We call it the Lilly Special. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I don't, I don't know that it's bad that we have so many ties, but it feels bad this year. I think that maybe this year is just we have the the rest of the field is winning, tying, and losing at different rates, and so. And that middle of the pack is, is so, so compact. You know, we're all within one and two points of each other. It's probably going to come down to goal differentials for playoffs. I think it's very, it's very complicated this year. Well, I mean, in the on the bright side of things, that is definitely where Lily teams excel is goal differential. Despite the fact that you're not winning games, you still got a plus five thanks to that Atlanta win. And, you know, yeah, yeah. you're right. The, the teams above aren't necessarily, you know, teams that I think you can expect to do well for the long haul, but there was absolutely an arms race uh, at the top of the East, uh, Indy 11 and Tampa Bay and uh, Nashville, who is not really performing, I think where we expect, but they're still, <laughs> they're still doing pretty well over the last five matches. Uh, the defense this year. Think, okay, go ahead. Sorry. I was going to say, I was going to go for defense this year. I think, I think our bigger concern is really like we're coming out um, on multiple games and we're taking a quick lead and even at 2-0, somehow, we end the game tied. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that's the real problem. I think that's maybe why this season feels like such a downer compared to last season. It was because I think that we fought for a lot of our ties last year. Um, the guys were getting used to Lily. They were getting used to each other. There was a lot of turnover last year. I mean, you still have a core, but you still end up with a lot of turnover. And um, I think that this year it's, it's more disheartening because we are coming out with early leads. And some of them are really early leads. And then we're not ending up with these clean sheets that we were used to. So I think that might be a bigger problem for us um, on the defensive end. I don't think we have bad goalkeepers. Um, We definitely don't have, you know, bad defense. I just don't know if there's, you know, some communication or maybe because Lily does play his team so versatile and you have to play a lot of places. No one has had enough time in one specific position to really feel meshed. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if that's what's happening this year. Are there any uh, newcomers on the team this year? Oh. <laughs> Are there any newcomers on the team this year that you feel have 
Yeah. So um, for me, I think we've seen him just a couple times recently is um, Frankie. He's really owning that, um, the, what is he, left midfield. He's really owning that position. Like he falls back a little bit. He plays a little bit more defensive. Um, I really like how he distributes the ball. I feel like he's done a really good job. And then we've, we've pulled in a couple of people. Um, Velarde and Valeski have stepped up on their game and shown that they can be great starters or they can be some super subs. They have really great legs and really great instincts. It's just, again, I don't know if we're having problems with communication for um, feeding that ball in and getting it into the net. Was there a sense maybe of relief with the way that, I mean, like Atlanta is not exactly a world beater or anything, but uh, getting the result the way that, that, that you guys did and, you know, at the, um, the, the amount of goals that finally like poured in and, Oh yeah. Uh, I guess in terms of like feeling like there's maybe moments uh, of, of luck, you know, really running against the team. Did it feel like that maybe could have changed starting with that match against Atlanta? Uh, yeah, I definitely think you guys are going to come into a much more confident team. And for me, you may come into a much more confident um, Steven Dos Santos. Like, that kid has some serious potential, and he's been in the right place, but he hasn't had the ball land to him, you know what I mean, mm-hmm. to get some of these goals. He's he's an amazingly defensive forward. Like, he doesn't quite play like a straightforward position, but to me, that's what, that's what he does, is he plays this amazingly defensive forward. And Seeing him get that really complicated goal where he, you know, bent his leg halfway over and flicked it over the the goalie. That was, I mean, it was just so good. And with everything else that's going on, I really think that um, that's going to cause you guys some issues in the game on Saturday. And then, but I also wonder how you guys feel about the switch up between goalies. Are you worried that uh, Red Bulls won't know how to prepare properly? Like, how do you know what personnel to bring if, Bob Lilly's never picked a starting goalie. You could have either one of them. Well, and they play so differently. You know, that is almost a uh, a positive for the Red Bulls because they don't even know if they're going to have the same team from week to week. <laughs> you know, there's such a variance in in personnel. Um, I was speaking to Rashid Nuhu earlier, and, you know, he talked about that a little bit too, where pretty much anybody on this team has a chance to end up in the match. And then... Uh, on top of that, wondering about who's going to come down from the first team on loan at, at any given time, it could be a real uh, difficult proposition for John to deal with. And I give him a lot of credit for being able to put out uh, or get consistent results, this, especially this season, uh, having no idea you know, from week to week by you know Thursday or Friday who's going to be uh, available and in the lineup. Yeah, that, that is a little bit crazy. How do you guys feel about it as fans? Like, do you have a whole plethora of uh, – so we try to do, you know, specific chants once in a while, um, player-specific chants. Do you just go generic or do you just be like, okay, here are these 10 sheets. This is who's in the starting lineup. Throw away that five today. Like, how does that work for the fans? <laughs> Rhyme the names you best you can. I, I that's a, a question best left up for the rampage. I can't answer for them. I don't think that they have any player specific chance, but I could be totally wrong about that. Okay. <laughs> uh, have you have you had a chance to watch the the Red Bulls too this season? I have not gotten to watch much of the Riverhounds. I know that 
Uh, they've done okay in the Open Cup so far. I think it's it's weird that they haven't gotten more wins at home. But um, you know, what, one of the things that you had mentioned of guys really, you know, playing lots of different positions and maybe not meshing uh, quite well enough yet. I, do you see that as a, as a positive? Uh, especially as you head down, you know, the, the longer stretch of the season through the summer and heading towards the playoffs, because, you know, if everybody can become more comfortable throughout any position on the field, that, you know, that's a net win uh, for any kind of adversity that might come down the pike. Yeah, it's absolutely a net win for us if we can have these players be versatile. Um, Lilia said over and over again that he plays to his opponent. He doesn't set the lineup on Monday. You know, he he waits and sees what's going on with the opponent. It's harder with you guys because you may or not may not have people sent down, but he can pay attention to who's injured, you know, what the likelihood is, and, and he'll tweak his lineups um, accordingly. So having very versatile players is really important because in USL you only have you only have so much money and you only have so much depth. You know what I mean? So if you're mm-hmm. gonna have you either have depth all over the field and then you only have what two players per position maybe, or you kind of have one or two positions where you have some really great depth and then this guy over here, you know, your right your right back doesn't have anything and you're like, Oh, he's injured, what are we gonna do? So I do think it's smart that he has that versatility in his players. Um I just I'm wondering what's missing for them to kind of to cohese a little bit. And I don't know if it's because we are switching out our goalkeeper a lot. And I know that's a big deal for, you know, starting in the back line and moving up that pyramid and getting everything moving forward. Or if it's, it's just what's going on this year, you know, there's a lot of extra stuff, people having kids, new players, you know, I don't know if there's any team drama. I haven't seen any, you know, our front office has seemed pretty, pretty solid this year, but you do wonder about those things. So I like it, but it also makes me nervous because I feel like early in the season it may be de- it's been detrimental to us so far. I think that this but you is- guys deal with the same thing as far as do you end up with a lot of depth um, or the- are you versatile players this year? And Joe, you could back me up on this one. I think that the depth across the team is at a level that I've never seen before. The, the whether or not you know uh, the we played Atlanta two weeks ago and. Mm-hmm. They brought in, I think they in the starting lineup there were two academy guys, and they brought in two other academy guys later on. And I looked at that match as you know this is really going to be a struggle for them to get a result, and they handily won. And you know I'm still trying to piece together how they were able to do that, but a lot of it comes down to you know what you were talking about of of being able to kind of plug and play guys and find whatever positions they can uh, you know uh, I guess man down for the match and you know our left back Reese Buckmaster is playing center back he's a tiny little guy they still get the results somehow so uh you know the versatility is a is a big thing but they're they're also starting to kind of reap the rewards of having you know these guys who have been in the system from either the academy or the U23 teams or local colleges that have worked out with the Red Bulls from time to time all of that is kind of uh, I think you know, finally starting to bear fruit and it's really making a big difference. Joe, what what are your thoughts on that? Yeah. The team, you mentioned that the team's as deep as it is, you know, I think it has been since I've been covering them at least. I mean, I, I can't remember last year, there was always a struggle. Like they couldn't even get, you know, the full bench last year at times for the team early yeah. in the season this year from the get go. They've, they've been, uh, 
They've been, you know, and it's it's not only been academy guys, it's been first team guys coming down, some first team guys staying down with the team like Marcus Epps. Uh, but they've they've well, whoever they've put in the team, they've seen the gel really well. I mean, we've seen um, Esposito come in a couple times and you know show what he's made of. There, there's been there, you know, and as well as other academy guys, uh, you know, other guys that you know have stepped up. Uh, Kyle Zayas stepped up. Elney, I mean, yeah. Zayas has been, yeah. Zayas. Yeah, Zayats has been great this season. Um, uh, Preston Kilwine's been really good. E- even and even on the uh, on the perimeter, I mean, you have Yanish uh, Luba and Reese Buckmaster, and Edgardo Rito's been really good over the last few weeks. So, I mean, there's plenty of depth on this team. It's just crazy how they've managed to even guys. You know, when Tom Barlow went up, you know, we we kind of questioned who was going to start a striker, and then Matthias Jorgensen comes down from the first team and fits in quite well. And even in the match where he was unavailable, they were still rocking and rolling. It, it's it's kind of a, a weird outlier as far as I'm concerned, Liz. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but in a good way for you guys. Yeah, I mean, yeah. That's nice that you can be like, well, I don't know what's going to happen. Oh, that worked out great. I'm glad <laughs> these people are so smart. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it did take a lot of time and patience. The last couple of years, I think uh, we had similar slow starts to what Pittsburgh's done this year. Although I think more losses than draws, they weren't really picking up points until later in the season. And, you know, we're looking across the team, like where are the answers coming from? And then all of a sudden in midsummer, they somehow figured it out. But this year has been, uh, I think not quite on par with, 2016 but uh definitely on the the trending positively side uh before we let you go because this has been absolutely fantastic i have to subject you as a newcomer to the lightning round are you ready i suppose i mean not really but we'll pretend (laughs) joe do you want to trade off or do you want me to just (laughs) run down the list uh i I, well i i usually go with my two questions so we'll just we'll trade okay perfect Okay. Popcorn, yes or no? Yes. Marvel or DC? Oh, it's Marvel. Well, is it... You know what? I'm an image girl, so sorry. There you go. (laughs) Star Wars or Star Trek? Both. Oh, okay. Favorite team to play as in FIFA? I don't play FIFA. I'm really bad at video games. Oh, what are we going to do? I know. <laughs> favorite, okay. favorite, team to wa- favorite team to watch other than the Riverhounds. Oh, there you go. Oh, Columbus Crew. Okay. I think that's fair. Um, you're on death row. What is your last meal? Oh, steak, potatoes, corn, no gravy. Oh, that's so boring. I know, but it's got to be a really good steak. <laughs> okay, fair. You got to cook it perfectly. I'm sending it back. All right. I think that that is everything. That's perfect. Um, oh, oh, no. There is one more question we have to ask. Oh. You. What is the score of the match this weekend? I will say, honestly, I think you'll get a point, but I'm going to predict 2-0. Okay. And I'm going to say that maybe Morton the net again. That this will be very interesting. I'm usually wrong yeah. about these unless I'm forced into making <laughs> picks that I don't th- uh, agree with, just to be different. Uh, Joe, what what uh, what's your your score prediction? I'm gonna go one one draw. 
Okay, so oh, really special. Now I have to call for a win because see, this is what I mean. I don't believe it, but now I've got to do it <laughs> just to be different. I'm gonna. Okay, no, no, no. You seem to think that that means that it'll happen, though. I don't like this at all. Oh, I don't think it'll happen. That's well. Okay. All right, I, I get what you mean. <laughs> uh, all right, I'm going to say this is a two-one win for the Red Bulls. Uh, a very rare win at. Uh, a team that has Bob Lilly as the coach. I feel good about that. Don't believe it. (laughs) (laughs) Liz, thank you so much for joining the show. Uh, I I love the insight that you gave us on the team, and I'm very much looking forward to this match this weekend. No problem. Can I do a quick plug for um, Soccer Better? Go for it. So me and my friend Laura Ellen do um, Soccer Better, and we're on Twitter at BGN Soccer Better, and we have a podcast, Soccer Better, it's kind of like soccer overall and the things that affect it and how we can all make soccer better. So follow us and tweet at me and let me know what you want us to research. We don't have much power in the Twitter sphere, but uh, any of the people listening to the show better go do that. That sounds like a very, very worthy thing to be following along with. Thank you so much. Thank you. It was nice being on the show. You're my first show. Woo! Great. That's excellent. <laughs> <laughs> BGN, represent. Um, All right. Have a good night, guys. Thanks. Good night, Liz. That was absolutely fantastic. Thank you so much, Liz Brokaw, for joining the show and giving us a real great look at the Pittsburgh Riverhounds and what to expect this weekend. And hopefully uh, I win (laughs) the prediction game, but who knows? (laughs) I'm much more expecting a draw than a win. We're playing a Bob Lilly team. Got to have some confidence. Come on. They're gonna they're gonna be up two to one, and in the ninetieth minute, there's gonna be some kind of crazy free kick from seventy five yards away that somehow ends up as a goal. So, like uh, against against uh, the Rochester Rhinos yes. a couple years ago. Yes, that's exactly <laughs> what I was thinking of. Anyway, <laughs> uh, let's take a look at the standings. Always love to do that. We'll start out west today uh, for a very specific reason. Phoenix Rising, holy mackerel, they're on fire. Sitting atop the West, they've got five wins in their last five matches. 3-0 over Reno, 3-0 over Orange County. Now, those are not necessarily good teams, but, well, Reno's not so bad. Uh, 5-0 over Tulsa, who I thought was, you know, doing well earlier this season. They really hit a bad skid. uh, 4-2 over Real Monarchs and 4-0 over Las Vegas Lights. They are now atop the Western Conference standings with 29 points. Below them, El Paso Locomotive with 26, New Mexico United 25, Timbers 2, 24, Reno 1868, 23 points, Fresno and OKC both on 22, but Fresno ahead on goal differential, Sac Republic and Austin Bold both on 20, uh, Sac ahead on goal differential, and Rio Grande Valley FC with 19 in the 10th, excuse me, 10th place spot. Below the line, Las Vegas Lights, Orange County, LA Galaxy 2, Tulsa Roughnecks, San Antonio, Real Monarchs, Colorado Springs Switchbacks, and Tacoma Defiance. Now, if you were paying attention, of the teams that I talked about uh, Phoenix beating, the Monarchs, the Roughnecks, Orange County, and Las Vegas Lights, four of those five teams sit below the line. Joe, I know I'm being nitpicky, but... (laughs) <laughs> you know, I've talked about Phoenix Rising against good teams in the past that they they don't necessarily always get it done. New Mexico and El Paso, I think, are still 
maybe more talented teams, but uh, I want to get your take on it because I haven't watched enough of them to really make much of a say. Um, well, you, you, I, I do appreciate, I mean, your point about them not beating good teams is, you know, it, it, it's true. I mean, they've had, they've struggled against good teams, but I mean, Reno does sit in fifth place. I mean, they haven't been any slouches and they did have to go on the road last night and win that game, which wasn't easy. So, I mean, they, they've done really well. I think Adam John's been great this season along with Solomon Asante has been great. I mean, uh, two X, uh, Red Bull, two players, junior Flemings and, uh, Jose Aguinaga have done really well too, and they've. The thing is, though, that it's impressed me more is the fact that they haven't conceded as many goals. I mean, they've only given up two goals in their last five games. It's it's one thing to be scoring a lot of goals, which is impressive, but their backline seems to be coming together too, uh, because in their previous five games they conceded five goals, and then now they've only conceded two in their pre and you know and in those, their last five. Games. And those both came in a single match. Yeah. So, so I mean, they're definitely in a good they, spot. Yeah, I think they've, I think they've done a, a, I think they've, this has been a great turnaround. Um, I mean, they, we always knew the talent was there, but I think we're starting to see that talent kind of come through. And I think, two, you know, you've got two, like I mentioned, two ex Red Bull two players at the center of it, and then they've, and it's not only like that they've, they've, uh, they're scoring like goals. They're putting together some nice moves on these goals. I mean, they, you know, like a bunch of really nice passes. I mean the. The one last night where uh, Aguinaga chested it down to Asante was beautiful. I mean that that goal was. I mean should probably win goal of the week. Uh, but they've they they're they're on a really good run right now. And it, um, if they keep playing like this, I don't really see anybody that can beat them because we, we we've talked about New Mexico, but they concede a lot of goals. That's the thing. Like I mean, yeah. Phoenix has only given up fourteen goals this year. El Paso, I think, is a team that can give them a little bit of trouble, but. Besides them and El Paso, there, a lot of the teams in the top eight have conceded a lot of goals this year. That is an understatement. The goal differential difference uh, between uh, Phoenix and everyone else is insane. Listen to this. They have a plus 23 goal differential right now. The next best team in the West is El Paso with a plus nine. That is yeah. crazy. Crazy. It, it, <laughs> they're like they're like what... Uh, like Red Bull Two should be like should be like if they if Red Bull Two had a back a consistent backline that would be them every year. Yeah, I could see that. <laughs> Look, uh, I and I'm glad that you brought up the, the the two former Red Bull players as you started listing players. I was like, I better hear Junior Fleming's in there. I better hear Jose Aguinaga because <laughs> those two guys are having great seasons. Yeah, they are. I mean, they they really they really have been a big part of their success this year. Especially Aguinaga, I think, kind of found his. His uh, his position, his preferred position there, because Red Bull two played him in a lot of different spots. I think this year he's played in the like his right position. I mean, Fleming has eight goals and five assists this year. Aguinaga has been, you know, just even when he's not assisting on plays, I mean, he's he's always been involved in the moves yeah. going forward and everything. So I mean, he's he's been. I think he's really had a good season that, uh, and a lot of people aren't talking about him enough. Yeah, agree. And uh, congrats to both of those guys. Glad to see you doing well out west. In the east, Tampa Bay sits atop the pile for right now, but they are starting to falter. They have a loss and a draw in their last two matches. They lost to North Carolina FC 3-1 to and a draw to Charleston Battery. They are ripe for the pickings. The Red Bulls have a game in hand right now, and they're only back one point. So very, very interesting to see what happens there. 
But there's a lot of interesting things happening in the East that I want to get to. Uh, Tampa Bay on top with 30. Red Bulls right behind with 29. Then Nashville on 28. Indy with 27. North Carolina with 26. So that's insane. That pile could shift quite a bit over the next weekend. Uh, Then Louisville, 24. uh, Ottawa, 23. Charleston, 21. St. Louis, 19. They are just, they're in a tailspin right now. Uh, Bethlehem Steel, 16. And then below the line, Pittsburgh Riverhound, 16. Atlanta United, 2, 13. Loudoun, 12. Birmingham, 12. Charlotte, 12. Memphis, 901, 11. Hartford Athletic, 17th place, baby. They are <laughs> off the bottom of the pile with nine points. Swope Park sits alone at the bottom. They are 1, 8, and 5. Yowzer. Yowzer. Good for you, Hartford. I'm glad to see that you're turning around. They beat Loudon and St. Louis over the last couple of weeks. So, you know, give them some credit. And they, they were pushing for a result against Nashville. They lost late. Uh, yeah. I think uh, they've done very well. But looking at the top of the pile here, Yes, Red Bulls have a, a game in hand on Tampa Bay. Indy has two games in hand on Tampa Bay and is only back three points. And North Carolina is in striking distance, too, and has a game in hand. Only Nashville uh, is level on games played with 15 with Tampa Bay. But all of those teams are really breathing down their neck. It's going to be interesting to see what happens if Tampa does start to falter uh, and how the rest of the, the East responds. It, it's a really interesting race coming up. Uh, this summer that I'm looking forward to. Yeah, I think the two teams to watch and and are uh, Indy Eleven and and North Carolina. North Carolina has been, I mean, you know, they one of the only teams to beat Red Bull Two at home this year. Uh, I think they they they're unbeaten in their last five matches. You know, with wins over North uh, Tampa and you know Red Bull Two being one of them. But they're one of those teams that I really think. They're they're going to be like in the top three come the season's end, and uh, Indy Eleven since that loss to Red Bulls two have been are unbeaten. Uh, they haven't lost a match. They're very tough to break down, uh, and I think you know with Dane Kelly and and Boltson up there, you're going to start to see them grab some more goals as the season goes along. And I think they'll be up there. I think Tampa, you know they they they're very. Um, they're very stout defensively, but I, I question if they can maintain it the whole season and only an average, you know, a one goal a game going forward and get and be able to grind out results. Yeah, that will be very interesting. Uh, if you talk to our friend Brian Cook, he was on the show a couple of weeks ago um, for Indy Eleven. Um, he is adamant that the team is not playing well right now. They have a lot of chances that they're not finishing, but they are they're they're squeaking by and getting these results. They did beat some lesser teams over the last couple of weeks, but you got to beat those teams to, to be up there in the standings. They're doing a good job. It will definitely be interesting to see. Another thing before uh, we sign off for the night, I want to give props to Evan Loro. He is on the uh, team of the week this week. Congratulations, big guy. His uh, second shutout, I want to say, on the season. He made six saves in the match we talked about earlier against Louisville City. Uh, Absolutely fantastic. Kept them in the match until the very end. Uh, calling out some other guys that, that made the uh, team of the week this week. Uh, Javon Torre for the Las Vegas Lights. Jared Von Schick for uh, Charleston Battery. Aaron Mond. There's a lot of uh, uh, former LMLSers as we go down this list. Sam Gleedle for Reno 1868. Jim Johnson for Fresno. Zach Zandy for Bethlehem Seals. Zandy, I thought, 
probably maybe even should have been player of the week, but we'll get to that. Uh, Tyler Pasher, who is the, the man basically rescuing Indy 11 week in and week out, according to Brian Cook. Um, Omar Salgado, a former first-round draft pick. He's still doing it down in uh, El Paso. Congrats, Omar, for making Team of the Week this week. Carlos Small for Rio Grande Valley. And Steven Dos Santos of the Pittsburgh River Hounds. Goal and an assist in the first 13 minutes of the match. Totally crazy. Uh, uh, Liz brought it up before, but if you go back and watch the Steven Dos Santos goal, it looks like one of the the things that would happen in, in a game of FIFA where you'd go, that's ridiculous. Nobody could bend their body that way. And it absolutely happened. It was very weird. <laughs> Canardo Forbes, also of the Riverhounds, made um, the bench for, for Team of the Week. So keep an eye out there. This is a, a difficult team that they're coming up against uh, this weekend. It'll be really interesting to see just how they do. Uh, and that... Oh, no, no, no. Uh, one other thing I want to mention, Zico Lewis, former Red Bull 2 player, scored, I think, the first goal at MSU Soccer Park. Yes? No? Yes, Yeah. Win over Richmond? Is that right? Oh. I was wow. very sick for this match, so I was at home. <laughs> I remember that. Uh, I should remember this. But yeah. I, uh, it was either Richmond or Toronto FC 2. Whoever it was, I remember him getting that goal. Uh, congrats for uh, participating in the gold cup. He was on the field against Haiti the other night. I thought, uh, he played really well in the match. Shame. They didn't get the result, but congrats Zico. Glad to see that things are going well for you, uh, both in Charleston and with Bermuda. Excellent job, dude. You got anything you want to add to that? Nope. I think you covered it. I, I'm happy to see him playing, uh, playing so well. Uh, he's, he's had a great season with, um, with Charleston too. So I'm happy to see him get the call up and, and make the most of his chance. Yeah. I've always liked him as a player and I liked what he had uh, and brought to the team, but I didn't necessarily think he fit well here. So glad to see that uh, he's getting that, um, uh, what he needs somewhere, if not here. Anyway, uh, before we let you all go, if you want to follow us on Twitter, I'm at underscore Joe Goldstein. I am at Jstein 15. And of course, if you'd like to follow the show, and we hope you do, we are at Raising Bull. That's one bull. Raising Bull Cast. And of course, that's all on Twitter. You can follow us and our written work at RB News Network on Twitter or RBNN.us. That's the Red Bulls News Network. Lots of great written content there every single day. Uh, if you want game day coverage, if you want uh, some exclusive interviews, head over there. We got some good stuff. Right now, Bill Reno is uh, writing a a series on goalkeeper development and how the Red Bulls are doing across their various levels. So give that a read. Whew. You can find us at facebook.com slash raising bulls. You can go to raising where we even take your questions. This is a real thing that happened last week. And it's actually, I should absolutely check right now to see if I'm uh, botching this again. Uh, but we had a question sitting in our box and because uh, we very, very rarely get questions. I had not checked in quite a while. I'm going to check right now to see if there's anybody um, uh, that is written. But we we had a question from Ed Ritter last week, and it went begging because uh, you know we <laughs> don't very often hear from any of you. Uh, we need to change that, guys. Uh, I I want to be talking to you guys on the reg. Oh man. Oh, I'm not checking that now. I can't even remember my password to that account. <laughs> oh. 
Bad times. Bad times, guys. But you could send us questions at raisingbulls.com. We'll get them. Send us to them on Twitter. Send us to us on uh, Facebook. Wherever you want to reach out to us, send us questions, and we'll do our best to answer them on the show. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Find us, rate us, review us. It means everything. And if we're not there, let us know so that we can uh, get our show there. We want to be everywhere. We're part of the Beautiful Game Network at bgn.fm, covering MLS, USL, Premier League, and NWSL. They've got a host of great shows like the USL Show, Backyard Footy, The Last Line, Bethlehem Blast Furnace, Bethlehem Blast Furnace, Woo. <laughs> Birmingham Backline, Backchat, Seriously Loco, and so much more. That's just the USL stuff. Uh, if you want to check out anything that they do there, I cannot recommend it enough. They've got a great amount of, uh, of soccer knowledge uh, being covered there in podcast and written form. Find it. It's great stuff, guys. BGN.FM. Of course, we'd like to thank our sponsor, Golden Gold Press, the best choice for you to get custom shirts, hats, mugs, and other items for just yourself or your organization. Check out their amazing products at a fraction of the price of other places at goldengoldpress.com. I don't know if you guys can hear this, but it sounds like there's fireworks outside. I think it's raining. Why are they doing fireworks? It's ridiculous. Uh, and, of course, we'd like to thank our sponsor, Roughneck Scarves, the official scarf supplier of MLS, USL, and U.S. Soccer. Get custom scarves for your group or team at roughneckscarves.com. For myself, for Mr. Joe Steen, thank you very much, and have a great night. <laughs>